On this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, as we head into a cozy season of gathering with family and friends and our attention turns to big meals shared together, we have a trio of brewers here to talk about their food programs. From pairings to working with food trucks, this episode is stuffed with practical tips and insight from nano brewers for nano brewers. This is John Hall, and welcome to episode 47. A quick word on content. This show is for nanobrewers, both existing and in planning. So tell us what you want to hear. What are the topics that you want to learn more about? What issues are you interested in? And who are the brewers you want to hear from? You can email us. It's nano at byo.com. And now, on to the show. From food trucks to in-house kitchens, food can be an important part of brewery life and the consumer experience. Three brewers are here to talk about their experiences, the ups and downs, and how to get the most out of pairings. You'll hear from Will Gomez of Brewbridge, Harry Arnold of Aristeas, and Andrew Frana of Brightside Aleworks in just a moment. But first, a word of thanks to this show's sponsors, and we hope you'll give them a closer look. There are occasions when a single microorganism is not enough. That's why Fermentus gives you All-in-One, a brand of specifically blended products, which can be made from a mix of microorganisms, catalysts, nutrients, and more. Discover blends for all of your needs, lower-carb dry lagers, dry flavorful beers, very high-gravity beers, and a new All-in-One yeast and enzyme blend for dry, complex, and woody beers. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation, visit Fermentus.com. ABS Commercial is proud to be your full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They love being able to give back to the industry, which is why they've kicked off their ninth Keg Viking giveaway. The grand prize is their state-of-the-art Keg Viking Keg Washer, plus a full pallet of half-barrel kegs from G4 Kegs. Check out more details and enter to win at abs-commercial.com. Also, Get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out BYO.com slash Nano Plus for more details. Now let's get into the conversation. We're talking beer and food with three brewers, and I'm delighted to introduce them to you right now. Andrew Frana graduated from Iowa State with a master's of science with co-majors in civil engineering and agricultural engineering. He was gifted his first homebrew kit while in college, which most people agree was a mistake. He's the owner and lead brewer at Brightside Aleworks. The brewery opened in 2017 and is known for its experimental approach with unique adjuncts and twists on classic styles. Brightside is located in Altoona, Iowa, near the bustling capital of Des Moines. When not brewing, Andrew enjoys hiking 14ers in Colorado, throwing horseshoes, and helping out on the family farm in Northeast Iowa. Will Gomez is the head brewer of the Brewbridge in Owensboro, Kentucky. Raised in Buffalo, New York, he first got into the alcohol beverage industry when he moved to Kentucky and was hired by the OZ Tyler Distillery, which is now the Green River Distilling Company, in 2019 as part of their packaging team. He's been brewing professionally since Brewbridge opened in 2020 as a brew pub and barbecue establishment. It's also the first brewery in Owensboro since Prohibition. He says they opened with a small one-barrel spike brew system, which they outgrew in only a few months. He now operates a seven-barrel brew house, but he still has the capability of running small one- to two-barrel experimental batches. And Harry Arnold is the owner and brewer at Aristeus Craft Brewing Company, an open-concept nanobrewery in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. It features 12 taps that serve a variety of true-to-style beers and nitro-brewed coffees, as well as wine, hard seltzer, and specialty cocktails. All three joined me via Zoom. We're we're getting towards the the end of the year where reflection starts to creep in about what the previous 12 months were like and uh, what the next 12 might look at. And I know we're going to talk about food in a minute, but uh, as each of you sort of look back as to what 2023 has been so far, what do you think for your brewery you're going to remember most. Harry, what about you? 
Hmm. Uh, remember most, uh, <laughs> or, or, or try to forget, I guess is the other, <laughs> the other side of that coin. Yeah. The intensive well, therapy that comes with small brewery ownership. Yeah. I mean, we're a, we're a very new brewery. Uh, December will be two and a half years for us open to the public. Um, I actually started the project, uh, December of 2019, like right before the pandemic. Um, so there's a lot of memorable things and uh, a lot of takeaways. It seems like, you know, every six months to a, to a year that click by on the calendar, um, is just a lot of memorable stuff. And I think the, the takeaway for me, uh, this particular year, um, is that, uh, you know, you gotta stay true to yourself. And I know people say that all the time. They're like, oh, you know, you know, what does that mean? But it's like, if you're a small brewery, be a small brewery, you know, don't pretend like you're something larger than you are. Don't uh, get ahead of your skis, so to speak. And um, I think that this year I stuck to my guns and a lot of people were like, well, well you know, you should do this and you should be doing that. Um, you really need to stay on your own timeline and be true to, you know, especially in the, in the beginning years, like, like where I'm at, you know, I'm not sure about the other gentlemen on the call and how far along they are in their, in their breweries, but you know, for me at this beginning stages, I just got to, you know, don't get too far ahead of yourself. I mean, that's where you get in trouble. Don't expand too quick. Don't, uh, and that's sort of my takeaway, you know, yeah. for this year, for me. Andrew, as you're, as you're looking at 2023, what about for you? What, what stands out? So the other day I was in the, uh, the back room looking at some tap handles from previous collabs and I saw the uh, resilience tap handle from a, that was a national collab that was done. Sierra Nevada. Yeah. After yep. the California wildfires. Yep. And I think that's kind of been uh, the theme this year is to become more resilient as a brewery and as a business. And that can be several different ways that can be, you know, diversifying what you offer, whether it's, you know, adding craft cider, adding craft soda, things like that, or adding food trucks at different times to, you know, uh, bridge that gap between, you know, where people might not be there if they if you don't have food, or what we've really tried to do is uh, be more thoughtful about being a part of the community. So our, we have a event space that hosts anything from high school grad parties where you know the parents might drink, the kids don't, or one of our most popular ones is a one year old birthday party. You know, because the parents of a young child, it's easy for them to go somewhere else and not have to clean up and things like that. But we really tried to uh, bring events into the tap room that are more family centric, community driven, things like that. So we're not just a brewery in a town, we're a part of the community. So yes, I'd say res becoming a resilient um, organization that can uh, weather any un unforeseen uh, circumstances in the future. And given the last three years, there's been a whole ton of the unforeseen. Oh, for um, sure. Will, what about with you? I'm along the lines with Andrew. Um, I mean, we when we opened, it was right in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. So right off the right off the bat, we you know had a, a poor, um, I guess, customer base because you know people were staying home; they couldn't come out and eat. Um, but, you know, throughout the, the three years and especially this, you know, this year, uh, we've seen an uptick of just people coming out. And like Andrew said, we also have uh, an event space. We have a large patio. So we've hosted uh, weddings, receptions, birthdays, uh, class reunions, you name it. We also have a catering um, uh, part of our, our business where we go out and we either, you know, bring our food over or we actually pour our beers at certain events, not just festivals. And, you know, just the sense of community, I can see that we've actually become more a, a more integral part of the community. And uh, with that, we've done a lot of collaborations, not just with other breweries, but just with other small businesses here in town. Uh, we've collaborated with a local donut shop. We've collaborated with a local bakery. Uh, we've collaborated with different charities here in town for, for children or for people with disabilities. So just a sense of 
being more uh, a larger part of the community and being uh, recognized more as not just a brewery, but a place where anybody can come. That's really cool to hear. Um, and it, 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 it's it's so interesting to be thinking about the consumer base, right? Because, um, and Andrew, you've been open the, the, the longest on this call, but you know, there was a time in craft beer's world where it was just enough to have your doors open and you would get people walking through. You'd have beer enthusiasts coming in that wanted to drink your stuff and wanted to build a local community. And it's it, it seems from my conversations that it's been a lot harder post pandemic um, to sort of rebuild that community. And, you know, one, people's habits have changed, but two, there's more choice um, than, than, than ever before. Um, Harry, from 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 your perspective, how has it been building that community? What what gets people walking through the doors? Yeah, um, yeah. Th- I think I'm going to echo what the other guys said, uh, Will and Andrew, about connecting with the community, and and that really gets people interested in the brewery. Like we we do collaborations with. Um, there's a local farm two local farms, local charities, um, other breweries, and that sense of community um, it really excites the customers because um, they there's a real push for you know buying local. Uh, we're at a local farmer's market and we sell four packs there. Um, and just having those connections um, you know really brings people in. you know they like they love the fact that, um, you know, we're, we're doing different things all the time with other local businesses. Um, and, um, you know, that, that, that seems to get them excited, you know, having the variety of, of food trucks, um, is a real exciting thing. People plan going out based on, you know, what they can expect the experience to be here. If they like a certain type of cuisine, they can look at our menu and go, okay, cool. We're going to go to Aristeas, you know, tonight because they've got this, or if it's something like a trivia night or, you know, that you have to give people a reason to want to come to your space. Right. Um, and it could be an event. It could be a food truck. It could just be that, you know, Hey, we did a collaboration with the farm down the street and we're using their peaches in one of our beers. You know, um, it's, it has to be something you definitely have to think about it and tie the community in it all, all the time. Well, has it been how I guess how has it been with your brewery? Um, I know from talking with you in the past, it's the first since prohibition in your in your county, I believe. Uh, in that... the uh, in the city, yes. And in uh, the Elmsboro. city. Yeah. Yes. So ha- has that has that been an advantage or has that put you behind the eight ball a little bit? Um, at first it was it was a disadvantage, um, because you know, the local uh, the, the local state of, of this place of this area, um, they weren't really familiar. Uh, I mean, the if you wanted to go to a brewery, you would have to drive 30 minutes if you wanted to go to Henderson or an hour if you wanted to go to uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so that wasn't available for this area. And I mean, when we first opened, people really didn't know what to expect, um, especially opening, like I said earlier, during the pandemic. Um, when we opened, we didn't have a kitchen and uh, due to the different, um, you know, guidelines, um, if you were an establishment without food, you couldn't be open. So we had to get, start off with a food truck. And then little by little, we started off with a small kitchen area, making just plain sandwiches. And I believe that, um, having food did help us in that sense, um, because people would come in for the food, but then stay for the beer. And uh, we do, uh, we try to uh, train our staff to um, recommend a beverage to pair with a certain dish. Or if they ask for a domestic, you know, we, we would ask them, hey, well, here, let me bring you a sample and you can try this and then let me know if you still want the domestic. And about nine times out of 10, they, they stick with our beer. So, um, so yeah, like at first it was, it was hard just getting people in, but the, uh, bringing in, you know, the food, having our own uh, barbecue smoker in the back, and also 
um, like um, like Carrie was saying and Andrew, just doing the collaborations with local businesses and businesses in town has helped us a lot. That's um, I like that um, on on that sort of collaboration um, front. And I, I, I we are going to talk about food, I promise. Um, but, Andrew, how has it worked? How has it been a benefit for you all? with some of those, you know, some of that outreach, uh, either through parties or, you know, some of the collaborations that you've done or, um, ha- has that helped bring new folks to. Oh, tremendously. To the bar? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, in addition to, you know, brewery to brewery collabs, um, we actually have found a home for the farmer's market here in Altoona. The last couple of years, it was, it wasn't in the greatest spot. It was where businesses were still open or there wasn't traffic to it. But this year we hosted uh, 20 to 30 vendors every Thursday throughout the summer. People would come to get uh, fresh produce, craft, things like that. And then some of them would realize, oh, hey, this is in the parking lot of a brewery. Then they come inside. Um, so we still get every once in a while, even after six years, it doesn't bother me anymore because it just means it's a new customer. Oh, I didn't even know you guys were here. I was just here for... The, the craft market or the food truck or the running club. We have a club that runs every Thursday that this is a, kind of their clubhouse. So we'll have meetings here and things like that. And we'll host races, get back to the community that way. But yeah, we try to bring those collabs in that you wouldn't think of would work at a brewery. You know, you can always, you know, talk to your friend like, hey, let's do a Let's do a crispy West Coast lock, West Coast pills or something like that. Or let's do a stout this this winter. But those, you know, non-traditional collabs where you work with other businesses or nonprofits or things like that are really, really what uh, has been working to bring more people in, different types of people, all demographics, things like that. Make it as inclusive as you can. I, I, I dig that. Um the farmer's market angle is is really interesting to me because that's come up in the last couple of years um, as well. And obviously there's there, there's a food connection there. Um, for those of you who have done the farmer's markets in the past, has that led to I mean, obviously, Andrew, you know, people are coming into your to your place because it's in your in, in your parking lot. But like, have you been able to forge other relationships with those other small vendors outside of? the beer space because of the farmer's markets? Oh, for sure. Yep. So this summer, the farmer's markets, we talked to several specific vendors. We're going to bring them back for an indoor craft market here for Thanksgiving and again for Christmas. Um, One of the producers, we actually source our honey to use in our beers now. Um, Local honey that's, uh, you know, it's either prairie flowers or, you know, things like that. Let's see what else. Uh, some of them have just been friends, like I've become friends with so this, some of these people that, you know, they're local potters or things like that. Or we found nonprofits that, uh, you know, have done food drives and things like that. So we'll host food drives, you know, as we go into the fall and winter to help them out, too. So, yeah, it's it's a very. Uh, it's very easy to form those relationships around, you know, being outside, drinking a beer in a parking lot. It's and everybody's just enjoying what they're doing because it's they're really selling their passion to people so it's easy to uh work with that i dig it harry what about you with your farm market with your farm market yeah it was interesting because uh the way that i got to the farmer's market was uh one of my vendors uh we sell locally made dips here at the brewery and uh, he sells his dips at these local farm markets. And a lot of times, at least around here, it's difficult to get into some of these farmers markets because they've got a limited number of vendor spaces. They only want certain types of vendors. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, they're, they're stuck in a mindset where, well, maybe we don't want to sell alcohol. I was going to say, yeah, are the challenges with that for sure. Yeah, um, but I think what they're finding is that, um, you know, just because you're selling it, it's not like you're consuming it at a farmer's market. You're just selling four packs to go um, there. It's a value add. Right. And, and anywhere where the brewery 
um, pops up, right? It's a value add. And I try to, you know, push that with other venue um, offsite retail, you know, uh, farmer's markets in particular. So, yeah, I was able to get into this farmer's market through my one of my existing vendors. And what's cool is there's other vendors there that I'm thinking of incorporating their products into my brewery and then vice versa, right? Like, hey, you have a farm and uh, you're, per, you're selling uh, product X at the farmer's market, but do you also do events at your farm or, you know, uh, so it's, it's just sort of like a networking opportunity. Um, you know, I'm always looking to, to do that. And, and that's a, that's a wonderful place to do it. Cause you've got so many small businesses in one place. Um, you know, it's, it's like a, uh, just a, a real concentration of people all looking to add value to what they're already selling their customers. So it's been great for me. I, I, I love it. And, you know, I'm hoping to do more of them. There's a few of them, but they're, like I said, they're kind of exclusive and you just need to get people to break out of their, you know, their uh, preconceived notions of what should or shouldn't be sold at, you know, their particular farmer's market. Yeah. I'd like to add just a sure go for it. I'm sure this will come up in the talk about food trucks too, but it's interesting hearing different states talk about their farmers markets and what they can and can't do. So like here in Iowa, we're not like currently we're not allowed to sell uh beer to go at these farmers markets. Wineries are. That's something that might change the next year or two. Um but the way I define the farmers market here. It's actually the parking lot's part of my patio, so you can drink outside. But if it was a downtown farmer's market, you wouldn't be able to buy our beer to go. And I'm sure there'll be similar differences in uh, food truck regulations as well. But yeah, it's just interesting to hear the the little nuances from state to state and probably even town to town. Well, I mean, having just been in Iowa, the the biggest jarring thing for me was that there are so many breweries that are selling um the new cbd uh thc beverage yeah um that that that's out there um which not a lot of states are are doing and i know you have to be specially licensed or uh registered i guess with um uh with a state entity to to sell it but when i was in your brewery a week and a half ago andrew um i was surprised and kind of delighted to see that um to see that on there and I, I i'm i'm wondering um if having alternative beverages has also helped your business has helped your brewery oh yeah like let's say you have a typical midwestern family come in uh grand grandpa couple parents Kids like that. The older people, the older couple might not want, you know, that Skittle brow. They might be looking for that amber. Right. Uh, <laughs> the kids will have. A, Which you do a make a Skittle brow, but and I saw a lot of that going over the over the counter. But yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know maybe one of the uh, the parents will not want to have a beer, but they can have one of those THC infused drinks and just kind of feel mellow and hang out too. So. Yes, it's important to have something for everybody. You know, you can't just cater to the whatever in your mind is the typical craft beer drinker because I'm not, I wouldn't even be able to define that. You'd have to almost dig into styles and things like that because I always get surprised when I walk up to serve somebody and in my head, I'm like, they're going to drink this and like, nope, give me the uh, chocolate mint stout instead of the fruity beer that I thought they were going to order. So I'm always delighted with that. And I'm glad to have the different offerings. Um, Harry, in the beginning, uh, when you were talking about your brewery, you mentioned um, trying to do traditional styles as well. Um, I think we've seen the pendulum start to swing back that way for 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 a lot of drinkers. Um, but what what are the beers that you're finding are resonating right now with the folks who are walking through your door? So, um, yeah, I was a little ahead of the curve, um, thinking that the pendulum was going to swing back to, 
you know, broader appeal, more traditional styles. Um, you know, I kind of felt that way for a while. And um, uh, certainly that is the case. And, you, you know, um, it's funny when we look at sales and you see what sell what sells, it really, it varies. I mean, you know, from season to season, month to month. And um, when we have uh, New England IPA, our New England Fog, it's our number one seller has always been our number one seller, right? Uh, when it's on, it sells like crazy. But there are, there are occasions, I mean, I have 12 taps and, you know, you can't always have every beer on all the time. So when that beer is not on, you know, people come into the brewery and I think they just, they're sort of like, it's like a Pavlov dog. You know, they just, they, they go into a brewery and they go, hey man, give me your hazy. Like they might not know anything about the craft beer world, but they know to say, give me a hazy beer, right? And uh, it, it, it really it was really frustrating for me for the longest time, you know, that um, when people would come in and, and that's all that they would say, and then you would try to offer them something else. And it was a little frustrating, but um, I see that they um, are going for brown ales, you know, just, a, you know, simple, a Belgian blonde, you know, that's, that that beer, uh, my Belgian blonde, blonded by the light, is an is a huge seller, right? And um, uh, even my Alpha, my brown ale, um, and then you know things like uh, ESB. I have an ESB on nitro, which you don't see. You know, you don't see ESBs on nitro around here. Um, you know, <laughs> those kind of beers, believe it or not. Um, are huge. They're hugely popular. Um, we have a, you know, a, a, a simple uh, dark matter. It's a milk stout. Um, that is a huge seller. When when those beers disappear off the menu, when we're trying to rotate in seasonals or things like that, you really get to see how much people like love those beers. You know, they're just core staple. You know, beers. You know, true to style that they love and they, you know, they, they revolt when you don't have them, you know? So yes, you do have your hazies that, you know, the, I guess the quote unquote typical craft beer drinker likes, but we have a, a super broad audience here, you know, and um, we have so many different offerings other than craft beer, right? You have to, um, you can't just serve the beer. Um, but um, but yeah, those those traditional styles, like people are craving them. They love, you know, Pilsners, you know, simple beers, nothing, nothing that's too over the top or gimmicky or, you know, uh, you know, it's going to kill their taste buds. <laughs> so, yeah. More in a moment. But first, thanks to this episode's sponsors, and I hope you'll give them a closer look. There are occasions when a single microorganism is not enough. That's why Fermentus gives you All-in-One, a brand of specifically blended products, which can be made from a mix of microorganisms, catalysts, nutrients, and more. Discover blends for all of your needs, lower-carb dry lagers, dry, flavorful beers, very high-gravity beers, and a new All-in-One yeast and enzyme blend for dry, complex, and woody beers. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation, visit Fermentus.com. ABS Commercial is proud to be your full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They love being able to give back to the industry, which is why they've kicked off their ninth Keg Viking giveaway. The grand prize is their state-of-the-art Keg Viking Keg Washer, plus a full pallet of half-barrel kegs from G4 Kegs. Check out more details and enter to win at abs-commercial.com. Also, Get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out BYO.com slash Nano Plus for more details. And now back to our panel conversation. So one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about um, is in the very early days of 
craft of uh, breweries that were opening up the microbreweries. There were a lot of brew pubs back in the day. And the idea was if you made a really good hamburger, then you could sell them on the beer. Um, and Will, you kind of touched on this before um, uh, when you first started talking about your food program. And so I, I, I'm also starting to see that as well, that for a long time, it was just, you know, we're either going to have a kitchen or we're going to have a very limited food service or we're going to have food trucks um, and we're sort of at their mercy. And it, it had this sort of wild west for a while. And most people were going to the breweries just for the beer and, you know, food was a nice bonus. But now that people, I think, are are, are thinking about meals again, well, when you guys were putting your kitchen together and thinking about what you wanted to offer, because you had that blank slate, right? Um how did you decide on what you ultimately created, what you ultimately offered folks? Um, at first, it was uh, based on cost. And um, since our kitchen was so small, we couldn't really have too many people in there. So not just cost, but, um, you know, make a good meal or make a good dish and be easy to prepare and uh, quite inexpensive but um for so for example when we first opened we like i said we started off with just sandwiches cold sandwiches and then we moved up to uh, burgers and wraps and we've kept the burgers and wraps and you know as we've grown we've um the quality's gotten better you know we uh, have do week, weekly specials now and the the actual uh, smokehouse part of our, our our brewery that's what really when we were like, aha, we got something here. Um, cause in Owensboro, um, there are many, uh, South Carolina style barbecue places. So, uh, they serve mutton and everything's vinegar based, but we are one of the first, I'm, I'm, there might be another place, but one of the first to do Texas style barbecue. So we do our own brisket, we do our, our own pulled pork, our, our own smoked Turkey. And then we incorporate those different meats and make different dishes out of them. So our um, Texas style um, uh, chili has our brisket in it. Uh, we recently um, added some items to our menu where we have uh, tacos, um, where we use our smoked brisket, our pulled pork, and our chicken. Um, but in and of itself, uh, the the barbecue was something that we saw other uh, breweries in. And for example, uh, Louisville against the green, they have a, they have a smokehouse and that right there was yeah. what gave us the, you know, well, you know, let's try to see how it goes. And it's been, it's been a huge success for us. Um, so Andrew, when I was at your brewery a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, there was a really excellent taco truck, uh, outside and it seemed like people were coming to the brewery, not only to drink, but also because that truck was there. Um, how have you, how is your, how is the brewery's relationship with food trucks evolved over the six or so years that you've been open? That's a great question. So, uh, initially starting out, I'm just going to say that uh, a lot of these breweries, especially in Iowa, owner operator, their passion's beer, they might not have the expertise, funding, or even space for a kitchen, let alone the, the extra licensing and regulation of all of that. So it's, it is a perfect fit to have breweries and tap rooms partner with these food trucks. Um, starting out, uh, I did a bunch of homework. I looked at all the different city ordinances for around here, compared them to Altoona's, went to the city staff, uh, in front of the police chief and all that, told him, you know, this is how we can bring food trucks here. This is what we need to change the ordinances and stuff. And thankfully, I was kind of blown off because what it did was it it uh, allowed a gap to uh, have food trucks come in here and not have to pay an extra permitting fee for our town. They have to be licensed by the state, obviously, but they didn't have to pay an extra 150 bucks or 200 bucks or 800 bucks that they have to every other jurisdiction. And that went very far in getting these trucks to come in. It's like, hey, no extra fees, come here, set up. It's very symbiotic. Um, you don't have to pay us. We don't have to pay you. We just work together. And then there's, uh, you think the brewery community is very tight, tight knit. The 
the food truck community will spread that word even faster. If it's a good night, if it's a bad night, if it's a miss or it's a hit, you know, don't go to this place, go to that place. So after the first year or two of success, trucks started contacting us like, hey, you have any openings this month or next month, things like that. And uh, it's been really enjoyable because at some point I was actually asked by the city to help book them, book trucks for their different city events. We had Rag Bride come through, which is a huge statewide uh, bike bike ride across state. We've had, you know, Christmas in Old Town, things like that that I'll help out with. And uh, now I've been able to actually delegate that food truck booking to uh, assistant taproom manager. And she's done great. She's uh, filled days that I've never even thought about, like a Wednesday night, like we don't have any events. I'm like chicken and the egg type thing. Are there going to be people <laughs> enough people here for the food truck? Or if I bring a food truck, will it work? And I just waffled on that enough where I just didn't even make the decision. And she's October, November, we've had trucks almost every day we've been open and uh, it's been great going into the winter. I think we'll still have pretty good luck, even though probably about half the trucks unplugged for the season, another half still come out as long as the weather's nice. Yeah. Harry, how has your food truck evolution been in the time that you've been open? It's been it's been really wonderful. Um, I think the in this particular area, the food trucks have grown uh, alongside and with the craft breweries. You know, the craft breweries have been opening up. Um, you know, in the past five years, have been opening up seemingly every day it seems like there's a new new brewery opening we've had a few closings but um all in all the the food trucks um have gotten better um uh, i think the relationship is um one of mutual benefit right we don't charge them they don't charge us i'm not going to put my hand in your pocket and uh if you're a good food truck Right. Usually a good food truck's going to have a little bit of a following or a big following. You know, we have we had some trucks that uh, um, that are really amazing at, um, you know, the advertising, the marketing. You know, we had one particular truck that just blew up on on TikTok and, uh, you know, he would show up and it was just like a, um, it was a madhouse, you know, um, now you would think that that would translate into uh, huge beer sales, but <laughs> it, 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 it's, a case, it's a case of too much, knowingly. Yeah, too much of a good thing, right? Like this particular truck is awesome, right? Like they, they their food is um, very popular, um, but the it, what happened was the parking lot would be filled with people who were underage um, that had no intentions on purchasing anything from the brewery. Um, and then that didn't happen often, but we did have a few occasions where it was like, wow, like we're just now a stopping place for this guy to do, you know, his TikTok business. And, you know, that didn't really translate to sales, <clears throat> unfortunately. Um, but, um, what it showed was the popularity of these food trucks, right? And that if it's done right, it really is mutually beneficial, you know? Um, and for the most part, that's how it works out. You know, we're bringing them a certain uh, audience that isn't familiar with their particular truck. Um, they may be getting a following somewhere else. Like, you know, they always have like a, a geographic region because they don't like to go too too far from wherever their commissary is you know wherever the kitchen is that they're preparing um and we've had trucks tell us hey we're not going to come out to where you're at because you know it's geographically it's too far from us um those but, are trucks that you reach out to you know we never reach out to food trucks because the the circuit right the the breweries around here you know there's there's the trucks basically will reach out they're like hey i want to come to your brewery like um like we we really have i can't even tell you like it would be very very few trucks that we contacted 99.9 percent .9 of the time the food truck says hey i'm operating in your area do you have dates you know 
Uh, we're very fortunate in that respect because there's just a ton of trucks around here. Um, and it's only gotten better. I think uh, we're just outside of Philadelphia and, and I've seen some of the trucks from Philadelphia that are looking for a different market or, you know, uh, just sort of a different audience. You know, when you're in the in an inner city, you know, your audience is a little different than out here in Bucks County, you know. Um, so I think they're looking for uh, different venues, different clientele. Um, so they're, there's a, they're very hungry. Um, and and uh, so we're very fortunate that they reach out to us. And especially if you have a good reputation, right? As a brewery, um, if, you're, if you've got good sales and, you know, they, they recognize, hey, they like, um, I forget who said it, Will or Andrew, that, that, that community is very tight, right? Yeah. And they, uh, they, they communicate amongst themselves and they say, Hey, listen, you know, don't go to brewery a go to brewery, uh, C because, you know, brewery a, you know, they don't do a lot of good, they don't do a lot of business or their clientele are a bunch of a-holes and you're, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna spend the money or on your food or whatever. That word travels very quickly. So if you have a good um, a good reputation with the food trucks, um, you know you're not going to have a problem, yeah, getting them out. And the customers just love the diversity. I mean, to be able to go to this, your favorite brewery and drink your favorite beer uh, or cocktail or wine or whatever it is that we're offering, because we offer everything uh, in addition to the craft beer. Um, you know, we, we cast a pretty broad net. So, you know, the customers are like, well, okay, I'm going to have my sit at my favorite uh, brewery and I'm going to have Thai food on one day and then I'm going to have German food on the weekend. You know what I mean? Like that's a pretty cool thing to be able to do. And uh, so for us, it's been it's been great. Yeah. Andrew, I imagine a lot of that squares with you as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, we're trying to cast a broader net here too. We've been looking into adding cocktails as well. Um, the food trucks, although we've initially had to, you know, bring them in, it's been easier to work with them. They talk to us now too. And, uh, some of them actually have become friends, you know, we'll trade a beer for a sandwich or a hot dog or whatever. But what I'd like to add too, is like comparing these, uh, food trucks to, uh, the evolution of breweries in the market, how you'll see breweries you know, get bigger production facilities or multiple sites. Some of these trucks have actually uh, gotten big enough and popular enough where they're into brick and mortars now, or they're We've seen that uh, in Jersey. Yeah. Or ghost yep. kitchens or yeah. Or they're, uh, you know, maybe have even outgrown the brewery scene and now they're just into four fests a month and that's enough for them to pay all their bills. So they don't have to be out there on a Wednesday or a Sunday. But uh, yeah, it's been interesting to you know see the comparisons between states and then see just the uh, comparisons between the food trucks themselves and the uh, craft beer industry. I guess the, the the issue is right if you all have a bad night uh, that's out of your control at your at your breweries. Um, how does that? And then the word gets around to the to the food truck phone tree, um, and then somebody doesn't show up. It's not the consumer, you know, the consumers are are maybe going to blame you guys of like, hey, I thought so and so was going to be here tonight. And yeah, that they, could, yeah, okay, <laughs> there's the side. We've definitely, yeah. we've definitely had that side of it as well. You know, they flake out, or you know, the uh, the extra variable of being a food truck is some of these trucks, other people can attest to, are barely roadworthy, so they might seen it yeah flat or you know one guy called me and said hey the tire fell off my axle in my driveway i'm like okay like sure and then we've had another one be like it's too windy because our trailer is so small and our truck is so small we can't get there it's too windy but in those instances we'll usually uh you know give discounted pretzels we have some just salty snacks here for our, for our folks too but if it's an off night with a truck here Usually there's some sort of extenuating circumstances that the trucks themselves will understand, whether it's uh, crappy weather or, uh, you know, uh, Friday night with a home football game. Everybody's at the stadium, so we might not have as much traffic here. Just things like that. You know, as long as there's good communication between yourself and the truck and the 
the owner operators and things like that, it's usually fairly smooth sailing. And then if not yet, yeah, those kind of sort themselves out. There's enough trucks where we don't have to work with everybody anymore. Um, we'll work with our favorites or the ones that are crowd like. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, having your own kitchen and obviously, you know, with, with online reviews being what they are these days and, um, I'm not going to talk about the beer online uh, review site, the user generated one. Um, But, you know, people are either really happy to leave good reviews on sites like Yelp or really happy to leave uh, cutting, biting reviews on sites like Yelp. Um, How much are you all paying attention to how your kitchen is being received by the by the customer base? Um, They. We yeah we used to uh, pay very close attention uh, in the early days. Now there's really not a lot of reviews that are being left. Um, we most of our you know reviews are stuff that we get in person. So you know so, somebody comes in has a great meal and then they just compliment you know the the kitchen. They just tell the the server or who's ever working behind the bar. Uh, they just say hey great job great food. So most of our reviews nowadays have been more in-person reviews rather than um, than online reviews. But when we did have a lot of online reviews, we would uh, check them out or uh, review them weekly. And um, we would have like an owner's manager's meeting and we would discuss it if it's a, like a really bad review and um, discuss what happened and uh, things we can do to avoid another mishap. Have either uh, Andrew or Harry with 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 the food trucks? Have you passed on feedback from consumers? Because you know sometimes people are going to think that maybe you're associated with the truck that's outside, and if it if it's good or bad, um, have you all had those conversations as well? Yeah, um, thankfully it's been almost all positive. But like, let's say. You know, I'm trying to think of even a bad instance where I told the truck, it's like, hey, this didn't work out for you. Um, maybe, let's see, if people don't understand what the product is, like, let's, so let's say a taco truck has, you know, like a rotary pizza or like burria, or how, probably mispronouncing that, yeah. but uh, some sort of fusion uh, food that people might not understand. It's more of that knowledge gap than anything that's like flavor or safety issue i would say gotcha harry what about you i heard you jumping in there oh yeah yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) we've definitely had um uh some missteps by food trucks and and i'll be honest i mean i i'm a pretty tough critic when it comes to food uh off the trucks um because it's tough you know it is a in some ways, it is a reflection on on the brewery, even though it's not my truck. You know, perception is everything, right? The customers perceive that somehow, you know, I cooked those tacos or, you know, you booked the truck. And so it's somehow it's my fault that something didn't come out. You know, um, you know, people invariably want to be able to order food from my POS system. I'm like, well, but I'm not the food truck. Right. <laughs> you know, but we had a we had a, a food truck. Um, who is still here, by the way, is one of our best trucks. Um, he decided to branch out and to do a different type of cuisine. And he did sort of, instead of having his food truck, he did like a pop-up where it wasn't, it wasn't the truck. He had a tent and it failed, right? He didn't execute. And at the time he was so focused on trying to start this new venture and he was all excited about it and thought, Oh, I can, I can do this. He was really, um, he sort of ignored the criticisms and there were a few criticisms the day of, but I pulled him aside after the fact and, and told him like, Hey, you know, you really kind of screwed the pooch here and you know, you, you, you hurt your own reputation and you know, by association, you hurt mine and it really dawned on him and, and it, but it was a really good thing because he's one of these food truck vendors uh, that really cares, you know, that was like, wow, you know, I didn't realize how bad we failed. He's like, I knew I had had made a few missteps, but I didn't realize to what extent, you know, uh, we screwed up. 
And he goes, when I saw like he got Yelp reviews and he got other other different reviews, he was like, and then I told him and then he, he was like, wow, it was a moment of self-reflection, like shit, we're never doing that again. You know, so there's that. But then you have other trucks that just don't give a shit. You know, they're they, um, you know, they kind of just march to their own drum and uh, don't really care about the feedback. And we weed them out. Like we've had barbecue trucks here and, you know, they'll come in one time and they're good. Um, I give them feedback. Uh, I'm a pretty harsh critic. Um, uh, um, and they either, they either fix the issues or they don't. And we've gotten rid of trucks. We just don't book them, you know, um, because, you know, there's not consistency or they're not taking cr the, the criticism to heart. And, um, you know, so we've actually weeded out a lot of trucks and the other, the other issue, not necessarily about quality is about when you're booking trucks, like you guys have talked about, um, trucks that just don't show. Yeah. <laughs> we weed them out too. Right. Like we, uh, we had a particular, uh, pizza truck who, um, you know, was, uh, desperate to be here and was like oh my god this is i want to be at this location and you've got a good reputation and yada 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 and we opened up our books to him and said okay we're going to give you all of the prime you know dates you know because you're you're you know we liked his product at the time and we're like okay and then he consistently started canceling and it's like you know but not because of the wheel fell off the truck because he felt the grass was greener on the other side, right? And I was like, I'm like, listen, if you're going to do business with me, right, and I'm going to do business with you, this is a partnership. Don't tell me and, and make a, a commitment that you're going to be able to provide food and then pull the rug out from underneath me and say, oh, I have to cancel because I think I'm going to make more money on this other gig. You know what I mean? And then leave me high and dry. And then yeah. just doing it over and over and over at some point, you know, that just tells me that you don't respect my business and that you don't really care that I'm now floundering when I've promised to my customers, Hey, you're going to get the best beer in Bucks County. And you're also going to get this amazing food product from this vendor. And then that doesn't happen. And then consistently over time. And I was just like, look, you had the best prime dates. If you think you're not going to make money here, then why did you book those dates? Yeah. Um, you know, so we weeded them out and uh, there's a few of those trucks out there that, you know, they think that uh, the world revolves around them. And I was like, listen, buddy, <laughs> there's another <laughs> truck down the road dying to get this spot. I don't need you. You're coming here because I exist. It's not the other way around. You know? Yeah, we've, we've had some hype trucks like that too yeah. that will, you know, see that. But quickly, an anecdote I thought of uh, yeah. that might have been some negative feedback. A truck had a very uh, garlic centric menu to the point where the food, if you like garlic, it was it was awesome. But in the taproom itself, there was just this uh, haze of garlic in the air the entire evening that was just too much for some of the staff. And we told. We told the guy next time, just back it off a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's good food, but it was just too much. <laughs> well, sure. Also, if it's interfering with um, with the aromas of the beer and the beer yeah. sensory experience. Yeah, smell the Skittles. Uh, <laughs> Will, um, you must be feeling pretty good about having a kitchen right now after hearing these two guys talk about uh, some of their experiences. Uh, just a little bit. Um, I've, I've heard I've heard similar stories from other breweries in the state with um, – yeah, just food trucks not showing up or canceling or um, just being really irresponsible. So, um, yeah, I'm glad we don't have to deal with all that right now. So I started off by asking you guys what 2023 uh, might be remembered for. But as uh, brewers, as owners, um, as thoughtful folks in the beer space, I'm curious as to where you'd like to put some of your thoughts and some of your energy for your brewery for 2024 
um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the in the in the industry right now. There's uh, there's worry, but I still think that there's you know room for hope and uh, for you know, meaningful growth. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean expanding, or you know, it just means you know doing right by yourselves and your staff and uh, and and keeping the lights on. So, um, with with that in mind, in thinking about a new year and not necessarily a, a, a resolution, but um, where you'd like to put some of your energies to be better at what you do. Um, what are you thinking about for 2024? Will? Um, pretty much what we've been doing so far this year, like I mentioned earlier, um, just uh, the collaborations have really been helping us out and, and, and we've, have we've had a really good time just getting to meet new people and just connect um also um just uh just getting our names out there more um later go ahead nope you're good i'm oh, sorry okay um no we um the latter part of 2023 we've gone more to different uh venues outside of our city and um like people did not even know that we existed and that right there those different events opened up the door to even collaborate with with more breweries and more businesses um i know the guys were talking about uh, farmers markets that's one venue that actually um, helped us out a lot because we met this local vendor um she um, does pastries and and cakes and and things like that and we actually uh, she actually came to to our place and does our desserts for us. Um, so on our menu, it has Southern Secrets baking goods on our menu. So she makes them in house, uses our kitchen, and um, and also she uh, does our social media as well. So just connecting with different individuals and meeting new people and creating all these different uh, relationships, I think that 2024 is just uh, another year that we're going to really push hard on, on doing all that stuff. I dig it. Harry, what about you? What's the 2024 focus in your mind right now? Uh, 2024 is exciting for me. Um, you know, it's, it's something that I've, I've been, um, I actually started thinking about, you know, six, eight months ago, I started thinking about where I want it to be. What's the direction I'm going and how do I get there, right? Um, and this year, we started doing a lot of um, retail events outside of the brewery, right? My focus this year was to do as many retail events outside of the brewery as possible. And what that gets us, um, in addition to the, the revenue uh, stream, right, that you wouldn't normally get from your tap room, your brick and mortar, it's like having another brick and mortar outside, you know, a second location, but you don't have all the overhead, right? So that was sort of the focus. And then I was like, all right, well, that gets us word of mouth, you know, having the product out there. Um, and um, I think it was uh, Will or Andrew had said, people come into the brewery and say, we didn't know you existed. I love that. Because what that tells me is that people are talking about the brewery, right? Word of mouth has been our biggest seller, right? So in order to keep that going every weekend, we are constantly getting new people into the brewery, right? And to me, that's a sign of progress. Yes, we do have our regulars, um, but you're never, you know, if you're not getting a steady influx of new customers into your tap room, right? Then you kind of have a problem because you're, you reach this, you know, plateau point. So I don't ever want to not hear people every weekend saying, Oh, we didn't know about your place. Well, we heard it through so-and-so and now this is our first time in here. So for me next year, 2024 is all about um, capitalizing on all of that, that we've done this year um, and getting the product out, to more places, strategic marketing, right? Um, I'm not thinking about expanding to a second location just yet because I don't quite think that we've we've maximized revenue out of this space now, 
yeah. and with some uh, with some um, uh, uh, additional uh, tank purchases, some equipment, we can actually boost production here. We're going to be doubling production capabilities in 2024. Um, and that's going to allow us to start doing some, you know, some strategic marketing, like distribution accounts, right? I don't, I'm not a big fan of, of distribution at this scale, right? We're a five barrel brute house. So, uh, it doesn't really make sense to get connected with a distributor and start, uh, you know, distributing beer here, there and everywhere, right? Like, oh, cool. I got my beer can on the shelf at the local beer store. Yeah. But, but is that really making me money, right? The answer is no. At this scale, you're not really making any money. And I don't know if that's the right kind of marketing that I want. Like, um, So for me, we're expanding production, uh, finding more retail opportunities, um, and doing these strategic marketing distro accounts um, where we get beer, where it's close enough, uh, where it can draw people in, but far enough away that we're not, you know, competing with, you know, uh, the local uh, scene where we're not pulling from our own pool of customers. Um, and so far, we we had one of those accounts this year, um, and it has worked out tremendously. It was a small little cafe that has our beer on uh, exclusively on draft. Um, and it's just this neat little eclectic cafe and we get people from there coming into the brewery all the time. Cause they're like, all right, cool. You know, they don't have the select, the same selection we have. So they're getting some of the key beers and, you know, it, it, it sort of proved the model, right? If I, if I do more of these next year, we expand production. We do some more of these strategic marketing, um, right. retail, uh, things and maybe some of the wholesale stuff to these uh these places and it's going to bring more people in and maximize our revenue here yeah so a that's, lot of gear, that's, that's a point. lot of gears yeah. turning that is um oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um andrew yeah. what about you for 2024 so it's funny i actually have something of a resolution or goal written down on a whiteboard in our green room among the uh lists of spare parts to buy or you know random beer names like spherical cow or percussive maintenance i have become undeniable um and you know that can work that can be a lot of different ways you know i'd really like this next year to um finally do some collabs with people that i have seen as mentors in the brewing world while also doing some collabs with maybe some uh some uh younger fresher faced breweries that might not have been invited away from the kid table yet. Okay. You know, see, be that, uh, you know, that liaison or, you know, become undeniable in the tap room. You know, we were called ale works because we started out with unjacketed tanks. We really couldn't control the temperature profile precisely enough to do, you know, a check pills or something like that. Now we have that capacity the ability. That's what I'm shooting for now is to be not only known for our gimmicky fruity beers or hazies, but, we have a solid amber. We have a solid traditional pilsner. We have a solid this or that, you know, things like that. Um, and oddly enough, I've never put any uh, commercial beer into competitions because I haven't seen the need for that external validation. Sure. But now it's almost odd that I haven't. So, you know, a couple ribbons or medals or something, even if they don't mean much to me, they mean a lot to the clientele and the patrons. And that's goes towards that becoming undeniable you know people will you won't hear that oh, i've never heard of you guys before because people have people will be aware and you know whether it's yeah. part of the community or through collabs or whatever i dig that become undeniable um andrew harry will thanks for taking time and sharing what's going on with you guys and having a, a a fun food conversation as well as as always i really appreciate hearing these stories from from on the ground and this was a fun episode so so thank you to the three of you for for taking the time thank you john thank you john
What's working for you food truck or kitchen wise? You can tell us by emailing nano at BYO.com or you can also tag BYO on all of the various BYO social media channels. I'll invite you to head over to BYO.com slash nano podcast. There you can subscribe to the newsletter, the magazine, and you can catch up with great pro brewing content. New episodes of the show are released on the 15th of every month. So subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released. And you can do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing us nano at BYO.com or again, check in with us on all of the BYO social media channels. As always, thanks to this episode's sponsors. There are occasions when a single microorganism is not enough. That's why Fermentus gives you All-in-One, a brand of specifically blended products, which can be made from a mix of microorganisms, catalysts, nutrients, and more. Discover blends for all of your needs, lower-carb dry lagers, dry flavorful beers, very high-gravity beers, and a new All-in-One yeast and enzyme blend for dry, complex, and woody beers. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation, visit Fermentus.com. ABS Commercial is proud to be your full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They love being able to give back to the industry, which is why they've kicked off their ninth Keg Viking giveaway. The grand prize is their state-of-the-art Keg Viking Keg Washer, plus a full pallet of half-barrel kegs from G4 Kegs. Check out more details and enter to win at abs-commercial.com. Also, Get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out BYO.com slash Nano Plus for more details. I'm John Hall. You can still find me weekly behind the microphone on the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast from All About Beer. Find that where podcasts are found, and I hope you'll tune in. Our theme music was created by Scott McCampbell, and we thank him for that. And once again, be sure to check out BYO.com slash nanopodcast for all of your nano brewing needs. And for now, we wish you all the best for a small but successful brew day. <laughs>